downtown lately? If not, I would suggest there's probably a better than average chance that you, there's a reason why you haven't gone downtown. In fact, I'll bet you that it's one of two, primarily. Now, there are others, but I'm guessing either you're mad about the parking, having to pay for parking, or you're concerned about the people on the streets, the street people, vagrants, homeless, whatever, whomever or whatever they are. Uh, and I'm going to even go a little farther. There's probably more people not going downtown because of the second than the first. They're more concerned about the people down there. It's not a problem unique to London. Toronto has uh, long suffered, according to some people, suffered from um, proliferation of beggars and street people down there. It is much worse than it used to be. I was in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, and certainly it's, you know, you, you can't walk too far without somebody asking you for a quarter. No, it's free country. Maybe they should be able to ask you for a quarter. Some city councillors think, no, they should not. And they have uh, drafted, uh, it's not passed yet, they've drafted a new bylaw that would restrict begging. And begging includes the so-called squeegee kids and anybody else on the street who is uh, trying to, to get some money out of your pocket. A number of the councillors believe this has gone on long enough and the time has come to fix it. They've drafted this legislation. Now, they've sent it off to the city lawyers to make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and, and uh, find out what restrictions they may be facing under the law. But they are ready to go ahead with it. Now, here's where the problem arises for some other folks. Um, there are a number of people who think this is terrible legislation. The Ontario Coalition Against Poverty, for one. And this is what they say. And I'm quoting here. We'll shut down every tourist attraction in this area until this matter is dealt with. Panhandlers and squeegee kids will organize mass demonstrations, harass tourists, and cripple the city if the begging clampdown is made law. Jack Layton, a uh, longtime councillor, NDP member, and uh, former mayoral candidate, says he's disappointed that his colleagues are tackling what he calls the symptom rather than the disease. He says it's a sad day for Toronto. We're becoming the city with a vengeance. Well, there are lots of people in London who would like to see exactly the same thing happen here. Legislation passed to get the panhandlers off the street to keep the street kids from harassing, this is usually the phrase, decent folks, and uh, give us our downtown back. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer are here this morning, as they are every Wednesday for Left, Right, and Center. Welcome to both of you. Hi. Uh, I don't know as I have a question to start with here, but Bob, let me let me just start the discussion off by saying, what do you think of what's happening in Toronto? Well, when I hear these things, I have to ask myself two questions about the issue. Number one, whose property are we talking about when we're talking about what area is going to be legislated? And secondarily, what purpose is that property put to? Now. You know, we tend to think of uh, government-owned lands as, quote, public property, but in, in actual fact, it is government-owned, and the government determines the purpose to which certain lands are put. You cannot camp out in the middle of Wellington Road because the purpose of that road is to allow traffic to go by, and if you interfere with that purpose, you are, in effect, breaking the law, quote, which what, what you're really doing is violating the property use there. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you deal with an issue of uh, things like... Uh, squeegee kids and panhandlers. I mean, it's the same issue that you have with prostitution, solicitation on the streets. Why is that illegal? It's illegal because they're doing it on the, on, on the public property, so to speak, on that government-owned property. And the owner of that property, being the government, I think, has the ultimate right to say what use that's for. 
And it isn't for conducting business generally unless they license it for okay, that. Now I, I want to just add one more thing to what mm -hmm. I said earlier. They're not talking about banning this from all public property. They're talking about banning uh, panhandling from TTC stops, in other words, mass transit stops, uh, banks and liquor stores. So mm -hmm. they're going to have a prohibited or a proscribed area around them where you will not be allowed to beg. Does that change your thought on it at all? Well, it, in a way it does, in a way, because then what recourse do private store owners have who don't want the panhandlers outside their store? They're not extending to the, the public that they're supposed to protect the same protection. They're just protecting their own interests and their own, the, the things that they regulate, you know, their own stores. <laughs> so, to me, I, I, you know, I don't really have anything against a person asking for help out in the street or anything like that, but I think the main issues here are whether a person may be persistent or whether there is a safety issue involved. Um, certainly in those areas, you're dealing with harassment and, and danger to the public, which definitely you have to do something about. Now, Jeff, you are, you are known for your social activism on behalf of the, the disenfranchised in our community. Um, we're talking about some of those disenfranchised in this situation. What, what do you make of, of this attempt in Toronto? Well, it, there's, there's been sort of an interesting shift in um, municipal politics from the last election, and basically we've gone from Barbara Hall to Mel Lastman, and uh, we're seeing a similar kind of shift taking place with the police now. So what we're seeing is sort of the more right-wing uh, approach to things, but basically uh, the main uh, point from my perspective is to bear in mind that until 1995, there were some street people in Toronto and a few in London, but nothing like the numbers that we have now. We created the street people by cutting social programs, by uh, cutting programs for mental health issues. A lot of the people who are on the street are uh, ex-psychiatric patients who can't get help. And uh, the thing that strikes me about it is that uh, people say, well, it's because of the laws. You can't put them in jail if they want, or can't put them into treatment if they don't want to be put in treatment. That's not the case. Uh, and I've talked to lots of uh, people in the mental health uh, business who say, no, we can get them in there. It's just we have no place to put them. So we discharge them right away. And, you know, we're talking in London is a good example about shutting down LPH and uh, St. Thomas psych. Uh, you know, the, the medical people say, we have no alternative. It's not like there's something else where people are going to go to. Where they go to is under the bridges. And then the question is, what do they do all day? Well, they panhandle. Well, that's not a very attractive thing to be doing. It, it bothers all of us. We don't like to see it. But if we don't like it, we know how to stop it. And that's to get them back into the programs they had before. Um, the thing that strikes me, I guess, about it is that we sort of create these guys by sort of taking away the meager existence that they have. And then we don't like seeing them around. So it's like, well, we'd like to get them out of sight. Um, you know, and there's two ways to do it. One is to lock them up and put them in jail, or else to have something else happening for But you're them. talking about the psychiatric patients. You're not suggesting that all the panhandlers on the streets are psychiatric patients. Oh, no, there are lots of other problems, too, that uh, street kids have been a huge problem. When we'll look at what's happening with CAS right now, where they're putting um, uh, foster kids into university residence up at Western. They're separating families. Uh, foster kids are being forced uh, to go off in all directions. Brothers and sisters are being separated because, again, that program is broken, broken down due to lack of funding. Um, there have been dramatic reductions in welfare availability for... Uh, for 16 and 17 year olds, basically, uh, and 18 and 19 as well. Um, basically, the, the belt has been tightened dramatically. We've turned up the, the, the heat on but the boiler, if you but like. But there have been a number of studies, and I'm sure you've seen them too, uh, talking with street kids. And, and, and I, I don't mean to minimize the negative lives that some of these young people have led, but there have been a number of studies, and I'm sure, as I say, that you've seen them, that, that show that, that a significant number of the kids on the street will choose to be there. I mean, maybe they, they would rather live in a penthouse with a, with a Porsche in the garage, but that, you know, that's not reality. Given their realities, 
uh, there are homes for them, there are places for them to stay. They don't want to go there. They don't want to live by those rules. Well, again, life is full of choices, and everybody can say you choose to be this, that, or the other thing. It reminds me of the, the remark about how the, uh, the famous remark about the doors of the Savoy are open to everybody. You know, it's like, sure, you can walk into the Savoy, but whether you get to stay there or not is another matter. Yeah, but a lot of, a lot of those exactly, kids but have that's very bad alternatives. Absolutely, and I'm not suggesting for a moment that they're just a bunch of spoiled brats living on the street, but, but I, you know, there are places for them to go. The idea that we've got thousands of kids on the street with literally no place to go, in my understanding, is not entirely true. There are places to go. There are shelters. There are group homes and so on. Many of them don't want to go there because they don't want to live by their rules. Well, and that's, uh, and that's sort of what, I think this is where it breaks down between the right wing and the left wing, that uh, the right wing perspective is that everybody who's on the street, or most people who are on the street are there because they don't like the rules in the house they're living in. Mm. They can't get along with their parents, so they go out on the street. The perception has been that they could go out and get a welfare check and set up on their own. Uh, that if it was ever the reality, certainly isn't now that they can't, they can't get welfare. They don't qualify for welfare at all if you're 16 or 17. There aren't uh, enough group homes. There aren't enough of these home places. There are also a lot of problems with them. I've talked to people who work in shelters about life inside these shelters. For one thing, like with the men's mission, for instance, you're not allowed to stay there in the daytime. You have to leave every morning at 8 o'clock and stay out all day. Well, what do you do all day when you're out? Well, you sit under a bridge. Uh, there are lots of problems with sexual predation, for instance, in those places. Lots of problems with drugs in those places. Lots of problems with uh, with theft and other crimes. Like there's a whole culture in there that's not a happy place for a kid to be. So you're now you're a you're a city councilor, Bob, in Toronto, and you're 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 listening to Jeff, and Jeff is making some points here. You're a city councilor, and you're hearing from your constituents that. I don't care about that stuff. I want these people to stop harassing me. I want to be able to get on the TTC or go to a bank or go to a liquor store or indeed go to the private store and not be hassled by these people. What do you say to, what do you say to your constituents when they tell I you I say that? to my constituents, you have every right to have that offered to you. Um, I'm a little insulted by Jeff's, uh, you know, image of a right-wing approach to this issue, which is referring to cutbacks and to rules. So I imagine then that the left-wing approach is no rules and spend like crazy. <laughs> and that's not going to do anything. No, I, I think, think that's what the cause of the problem is. But often yeah. you come back to a carrot and stick, though. The question is, do you solve all life's problems with a stick? And I, and I don't think you do. Well, that's what welfare is, a stick. <laughs> welfare is a stick against people who have their money taken and given to people like these street people, and I don't see any any purpose in it. Um, we have a more perfect model in New York City where they did crack down on the street people about uh, would be four or five years ago now. They brought in the zero tolerance broken window model and basically cleaned up the streets. And I remember being down there um, before that happened and coming down about a year after, and there was just an astounding difference that everybody was gone. Like there were a ton of people on the streets. And before where did that. they all go? Well, I had read an article in the New York Times. Uh, the second time I was down there, and they said that what the policy was was that the police were directed to take any street person and pick them up and take them to the city dump and drop them off. And that that's what they were doing. Um, uh, as a left winger, I find that troubling. And I don't so think that's a solution to the, the problem. Dump. They didn't walk back into town or walk. They had to go somewhere. They couldn't live in have, the dump. But what's happened apparently is that they've gone around to the cities in the in or the perimeter of New York City. You know, they've sort of shuffled off one place or another, but the dump is where they started. And to me, that's just an appalling image of how you deal with people who have mental problems, for starters. Uh, you know, well, I agree with you on that issue. We, I think a person who has psychological and mental problems should be in, in some sort of institution. But <laughs> wherever I've seen, seen very highly socialized countries, these people are running around loose all over the place. Um, well, go down yeah, to some of the Caribbean islands and, and sometimes look at some of the people running around the streets there. I'm telling you, they have horrible scary. poverty. Well, Just immense yeah. And, and sure, in the USSR, they didn't do that. all their institutions cannot handle them because the country is poor. There's, no. there's no one to tax. Like, wh what do you do about a situation like that? The other thing about the street kids that, that strikes me is that we've found over the last...
decade, I guess, that uh, where we used to have this image of a, of a leave it to beaver style of family that uh, everybody was happy and pappy and dad went off to work and mom raised the kids and stuff, that what we thought was happening was a lot different than the reality. We thought that kids used to go to schools run by churches and that they would be safe in those schools. We found that that's just not reality, that life is a lot grimmer for a lot of people than we thought. There are a lot more problems than we thought. And uh, say that it seems to have and the to result that people end up those falling out of the system. for their own condition? Like, like, uh, what would you say? Well, if you're abused by a priest as a child, I don't hold that against you. Or how many children who are in the purview of priests are sexually assaulted by priests? A tiny percentage. A lot more than we thought. Well, but how, how many? I mean, it's still a tiny percentage. You know, we've got these residential schools closed all over the place. Like, that whole model has been discredited as a way to house foster kids or kids without parents. Uh, you know, we found that there are lots of reasons why kids end up on the streets that we didn't think existed, but do exist. And there's no point just ignoring them or just saying to the kids, well, it's your problem. These are kids, you know. And from my perspective as a community, we need to be doing something to try and so, get back. It's not a matter of handing so, them a bunch of money, saying okay, here's a bunch so, of money, so go off and drink it. they should be left on the street, allowed to hassle people, allowed to bug people for money who don't want to be bugged for, for money. They should be allowed to... Uh, stand in front of uh, stores where merchants are trying to do business and they want their customers to come in and feel comfortable. Are you saying that's what we should Well, I would say we allow? should go back to what we used to do, which was to try and provide safe housing for them. And but, uh, we've but sort of gotten out of that business. But a lot of them don't want to get into safe housing. I saw City well, TV do a, a special on this. They went and interviewed the street kids. There was lots of safe housing available for them. They wanted to be out in the streets. I was shocked, one after another. They would interview these kids. Some of them thought it was you kind of last, glamorous. You wouldn't last a week going, in one of those places. I, I you would not survive exactly. Or on the street. No, and yet people you as a freedom-loving person couldn't stand it in there. You know, and, and well, you if that I went in there, I would accept the conditions of whatever the rules are, and this is the you problem. You wouldn't stay there. Well, Jeff, let me let me uh, let me uh, change the focus. Uh, change the focus, but maybe draw us back to the focus again. What you're talking about is the need for some systemic changes to to minimize the number of people that are there in the first place. Yeah, I say correct? get them gone. You know, okay. I, I don't like walking down the street and seeing it okay. either. But the reality, again, is that in our society, it takes time to make changes. Um, we're dealing with a problem today, and Bob raises the issue of the individual citizen who, or the shop owner who wants to be able to go about their life unimpeded by somebody else. They haven't done anything wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm the shopper. I haven't done anything wrong to this kid or this, this individual. I have never harmed him. In fact, I've paid a lot of taxes to provide maybe, as you say, maybe not the services as good as they should be, but a lot better than they were 100 years ago. I've paid a lot of taxes for that. How, 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 how am I supposed to feel today? How do you expect that individual to feel today about those people who today, whatever the reason may be, are hassling them? I think they need to be realistic and, and uh, they need to understand, like from my perspective, there's no excuse for bad behavior ever. And in fact, it's not legal. Uh, under the criminal code right now, it's against the law for anybody to hassle anybody on the street. Uh, you know, so as far as the law goes, what the law does is it deals with the behavior as opposed to the appearance. And if somebody comes up and aggressively panhandles you, they can be charged under the criminal code. There's no reason not, not to be. I would expect that the police are enforcing those rules as far as I know they are. But there's also a mythology that's built up, which is if somebody looks uh, weird, they must be trouble. If they're not right now, they're going to be but there's tonight. A, yeah, but there's something else here. Now, it's easy for us to say the law allows a police officer to arrest somebody for doing that. Uh, there are many areas in our lives <clears throat> where we use the law more as a blanket. In other words, we don't expect a police officer to have to be there every minute till we simply say, you can't do such and such here. Like Bob said, you can't pitch a tent on, on Wellington Road. Now, 
the, you, you could, the, to, you, to use the extension of your argument, as I see, you say, well, you could pitch one, but then the police can come and arrest you. Well, we don't want the police to have to do that, so we, we, we pass a bylaw that says nobody can do it. You cannot pitch a tent there, even though, as Bob said before, in theory, public, blah, 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 you know, but we don't want to have to call a police officer every time somebody's got a tent out there. Okay, a couple of points to that. One is that uh, I am agreeing that it's a big problem, and to say we differ on how you go about dealing with it, but from a legal perspective, the idea of passing a bylaw is a joke, and the reason it's a joke is because there's no power to incarcerate anybody under a under a bylaw. The most you can do is give them a ticket. Uh, you know, if you've already got a criminal code provision which makes the thing they're doing illegal, you know, and says you can arrest them, you can throw them in jail, and all those kinds of things, that's the law that you need. And to pass a little bylaw over and above that will do no no use as far as enforcing it. Okay, we're going to pause for just a moment and the lines are open on left, right, and center. 643-1290, star-1290 on the Cantel. If you'd like to join Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer, and Jim Chapman, you give us a call. Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz, my guests, as they are every Wednesday in the final hour of the program for left, right, and center. We're going to the phones now and Jack joins us first. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. Yes, sir. Um, I have a real problem with, uh, you know, this whole idea about what is harassment. Personally, I think what's harassment is getting calls from, like, you know, Bell Canada three times a month or AKA, like, you know, whatever phone companies or whatever telecommunications people, that I consider much more harassment than having to walk downtown and, and if somebody asks me for change and I don't wish to give it to them, I just say no and I don't feel like, you know, it's a big burden for me mm -hmm. to, to say yes or no or whatever and have to deal with it. Have you and been in Toronto lately, though, where it, it really is, it's not just the occasional person saying, excuse me, sir, could you spare a quarter? It's give me a dollar. Well, I have to say that, no, I haven't been in Toronto, but commenting specifically on London, I think that London itself has a real problem with the fact that, that we don't, we don't want to see our, our poor people. We don't want to see, like, you know, these people out on the streets. We don't want to see the reality. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been out, like, I'm sure you have, but if you go out to, like, the outskirts of town where there's, like, all these, like, townhouses that are in really horrible shape, it's like, that's where we hide them. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's really sickening that we can't even stand to look at these people. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're human beings. Mm -hmm. And if you know, if you have a problem with it, then you know, I just, I just can't figure it out. It's like, you know, the, you know, maybe they're not the, the most sightly people in the world. Maybe they think I don't own it. I don't own a store down on Dundas Street, so I can't comment on how it feels to have them sitting in front of your store. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just feel that it's a real problem that, you know, we want to hide things might, that we don't find sightly. You know, Jack, it might be interesting for you, and, and I, I mean this quite sincerely, to go and talk to some of those store owners and find out what they do feel. I, I agree with you. I, I think that that would be a really good idea, and, and, and I'm sure that they have many, many good points on, on how, you know, it discourages people from coming in and whatever, but I don't think that that's necessarily, you know, um, like I think that's a, that's a whole society problem, and I think it's unfortunate that it comes down to the fact that it's steering away business. But, I mean, I don't walk away from a store just because somebody's sitting in front of it that I don't like the look of. No, so. but people and do. That's me. People do, though. I know, and that's what I think is extremely unfortunate. I don't blame the store owners. Right, Jack, and, you know, I just, I just I blame the fact that, that we can't stand to look at these people. I appreciate your call, sir. No problem. Thanks for joining us. And John is with us next. Hi, John. How you doing, Jim? Fine, thanks. That's good. Um, listen, I, uh, 
Uh, one thing I wanted to, is a couple of points, but um, first thing was I wanted to um, ask Jeff whatever happened to the 8,000 families that be living in Harris Park. And, and <laughs> he said that three years ago, and I keep waiting for it. Yeah, he did. I, I love to hear that people are uh, are listening to what I say. I guess the response that I made to Ted <laughs> Wernham when I when he raised that on the air was that uh, we've certainly uh, not got them in the park, but we've certainly got them on the street instead. And I don't know if that's a better place for them. But if anybody says that uh, things aren't worse for poor people now than they were three years ago, I would beg to differ. Yeah, but I, the thing is, uh, the problem is, Jeff, a lot of people look at you and, I mean, you are working with that society. And, I mean, when you came out and said that, I mean, it scared not only people like myself. I mean, I didn't believe what you said. But, I mean, a lot of the poor people were probably, like, scared. I mean, why, why do you give that negative... Like, I don't know why you would have said something like that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, the reason I did at the time was that uh, we had an idea of how much housing there was for uh, for uh, single-income people and how much the rents were for them. And at the time, there appeared to be no place for them to de to go down. What ended up happening, I understand, among other things, was that uh, landlords lowered rent uh, for some of the places. As a result, they haven't been able to do maintenance, so uh, the places are in a lot rougher shape than they used to be. Well, but, wait, but, but, but wait, wait, wait. You're the guy that's always telling us that landlords have to be controlled, that landlords won't respond to the market. Hey, listen, just before I came here, I, uh, I gave an interview to the free press about rent control, and I said rent control's never been an issue in London, Ontario, because rents are lower than the legal maximums and always have been. Uh, no, at the time, that was obviously a stupid thing to say. You know, he asked me, was it wrong or was it stupid? Yeah, it was. I was dead wrong on it, and thank God. Uh, you know, and the landlords came together to their credit, you know, in one way or another made it work. But uh, at the time, I just couldn't see how it was going to happen. But as far as being negative, I, I don't like to be negative. And in fact, I, you know, I, I, I talk about the problems and agree, yeah, we've got problems here. We've got to try and work them out. But one thing I'm aware of as a lawyer is that the answer isn't always passing a new law. Uh, that often there are other things you've got to do to make people behave in different ways. Uh, and, and often it seems like we do just pass a law and all of a sudden, you know, we pass a law, bingo, this problem's going to be fixed and it just doesn't work that way. So for, on this issue of street people, you know, I'm as appalled by it as everybody else and I hate walking down the street and seeing them as much as everybody else. But whether just passing a law is going to fix it, I don't think it will. And, and I'm very conscious of the restraints on the police right now. You know, the we're to the point where if your house gets broken into, the police don't come anymore. They just don't have the time to come. Uh, if you have a car accident and there's nobody hurt, the police don't come. They, they don't got time. So when we're assessing what our priorities are from a matter of, of public safety and policing, I just don't see this as a big one. And my experience with panhandlers has been that I haven't seen a lot of rude ones. I'm in Toronto every second weekend, uh, you know, I see the squeegee kids and everything else. Uh, I find them to be just like you and I. They're, they're normal, polite people. But the, uh, another thing I was, just, when you just said a couple of minutes ago there, you said about the uh, psychiatric patients. And, uh, like, I've got some uh, family psychiatric problems. And... Uh, uh, most of those people I don't find, I mean, uh, they don't, they're not the ones that are asking for change. Like, they're afraid of people and they don't want, they hide and they, so I don't think that's right when you say that about, oh, the hospitals are closing and, you know, that's because, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are some that do, but from the vast majority, I mean, paranoid schizophrenics certainly are afraid to talk to people. So I, I don't, I wonder how many of the people are actually psychiatric patients. And, and I hate to say that too, because I hate to stigmatize a group, especially, you know, a minority group. But uh, on the other hand, I, I recall a presentation that was made to the police board when I was serving on it by the, the head of the psychiatric hospital who said a lot of people out on the street do have uh, mental problems and we can't serve them. We don't have the resources to serve them. Which is no, I agree with you that. No, they definitely are out on the streets, but a lot of those are the ones that are hiding, like you say, and they don't, they're not the panhandlers, so... I, I think okay, that I see your point. Yeah, um, but also I think the thing is with the panhandlers, I mean, if you stop the money flow, I bet you'd stop the problem. So. Thanks for the call, John. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate Bye -bye. it. Jeff, if, if, sorry, sure. if, if most panhandlers are normal 
you know, polite people. And why do you say at the same time that you don't like to see them on the streets either? Because like it reminds me we failed them. It reminds me that, that we're not doing a very good job of looking after some of the people in our society. So so you feel personal guilt about this? Yeah, as a per uh, well, as an advocate for them, I've done a horrible job. They're, you know, obviously they're out there. And if you had done a better job, where would they be right now? Well, I would hope that they would be in families. You know, I would hope that they'd be back, if they're kids, they'd be back with a family that was a healthy, happy family. If, and what, what could you possibly do to put another person into a healthy, happy Happy, you know, happy family. I mean, isn't that something that has to come from them? No, what, their their willingness to want to do that, their well, ability again, to communicate with other people. The first thing that you and I have sort of uh, the baseline is that we've had somehow had an economic recovery in the last three years without a lot of uh, employment. There are a lot of people who just can't find jobs. That's caused a lot of trouble. That's the first problem. So a lot of people who are on benefits who shouldn't be, who, should, who are perfectly able to work and should be working, but we can't find jobs for them. From there, you go into other kinds of problems. If they haven't got jobs, they're on welfare or whatever else. It used to be that they could get by on this, but the, so, so as the benefits have like been cut back, the pressure cooker has been turned up on these families, and we see them blowing apart. And, and financial pressure is as often as not the reason for divorces and, and blow-aparts uh, as anything else. So what I've seen is the heat being turned up on this, this class of people who just can't go anywhere. They can't get jobs as much as they would like to. So they end up, uh, their kids leaving home, they end up fighting, drinking, and all the other social problems that are accompanied by that. And I hate that as much as anybody. Well, how do you the feel about getting, is, what do you know about it? Well, how about getting rid of minimum wage, just for one thing, for example? Maybe some of these people might be employable at $2, $2 less an hour. Well, we've talked about that. I just don't think it's going to create a lot of jobs. Okay, guys, well. we got a lot of people waiting. I want to go okay. back to the phones. And Carol's with us. Hi, Carol. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm a store owner on Dundas Street, yes. where a lot of these panhandlers like to hang out. Yeah. And uh, my, experience, uh, my experiences have been pretty negative with them. Mm -hmm. um, I find that... I go up and down the street to the bank and, and back and forth all the time, and I get asked four or five times a day. I mean, I can go one minute, go to the bank, come back, and be asked both times. I used to be very polite. I used to, no, not today. But now I can't even, I mean, I can only say no every single time. It's, mm -hmm. it's annoying. Um, but is it the way they're saying it? Are they yelling at you or anything? No, they're, they, they start out polite, but I mean, I can I mean, five minutes, I go up, I come back and pass the same people they ask me again. I said no before. I stopped saying no. I stopped saying no, thank you. Now I ignore them. Mm -hmm. I get spat at. I get, I get, uh, my employees had, had to call the police uh, two, two weeks in a row because they were urinating in the doorway during business hours. Uh, they had to call police because they were fooling around and banging into the windows. They're blocking the doorway. It's very annoying. I don't think they're all that polite, all of them. I'm sorry, I'm a little upset. Okay, Carol. But uh, I, I don't know what the solution is. I would like to see that my property rights extended to, the, to directly in front of my store to the end of the, to the street so that I could say, move along. Don't be, sit in front of my store and ask people for money. And if they don't go, should they go to jail, do you think? I don't think that will solve the problem, no. But I'd like to be able to say, not in front of my store, move. I don't know where they're going to move to. I don't know, but it, it hurts my business. People don't want to come into my store. My customers are always complaining about them. And I, I, I find it annoying. And, and they're not polite. Not Like, you can tell some of the people who, who are living on the street because of the way they smell, the way they look. You can tell the mental patients from the kids, you know, and the ones that are just, I don't know what they're doing. But well, Carol, oh, we don't like them gone. Yeah. Thank you for calling today, Carol. All right. I'm glad you Bye. took the time. And Don's been waiting at a pay phone. Hi, Don. Hi there. Yes, sir. Um, I think that uh, the problem with London is it's primarily a reactionary community, and everyone's looking for a, 
a quick fix to the answer when really, um, if you look at a state like Toronto or Ottawa that has a lot of street people, a lot of people uh, asking you for change and stuff, uh, you don't mind going down to that area because there's something else to balance it off. And I think London has a really unique opportunity now. They're looking at revitalizing the downtown. Mm-hmm. If you reinvigorate the area with other reasons for, for people to go there and you inject it with, um, with more desirable people, it starts to balance out that kind of uh, unequal uh, population. And I think a lot of people are blaming the problems of London on the street kids, like the business owners. Like, we don't have enough business because these street kids are... are um, in front of business, asking people for change, but I think it's really a primarily a problem with the way London is organized uh, in their urban design. Mm-hmm. And in, um, if you look at London, like all the shopping and all the uh, attractions are out in the suburbs. It's a huge satellite kind of ringed with shopping things, and there's nothing in the core except for businesses that close at night and a very small amount of retail and uh, nightlife. And if you look at, say, like, Toronto, it's not like that. If you look at, say, like, Ottawa with its market area... Yeah, yeah but, Don, in Toronto... It's not like that. In Toronto is where is the laws we're talking about. That's where they're bringing these laws in. So, obviously, the problem's heavy in Toronto, too. And I, I don't think you can talk about injecting more desirable people into the core. You have to attract them. You can't push them down but not, there. That's what I'm talking about. Attracting them with, with London's, like, they're looking at re, revitalizing downtown. If they, if they take well, who's the they? and really... Who's the they? Well, there's your downtown disaster. Um, as long that's, that's as, as, as long as city council is doing anything to downtown and acting like they own the downtown, there will never be revitalization. No, no, in downtown. I think that they should, should hire a person that has experience in redevelopment of cities to carefully look at a program for redeveloping downtown London. Well, that's what they're talking about doing now, long overdue, but at least they're talking about doing that. So they're making some progress that way. Well, I, I hope that they, they really have a commitment to doing that instead of taking a fast, easy approach. Like, if you look at the market, it's, it's a complete disaster. Oh, yes, it is. It yeah. wasn't planned well nope. from the get-go. Nope. And now it's falling apart all around them. I mean, that could have been a key um, touchstone for them to, to jump Indeed, off and revitalize yeah. downtown. And, yeah. and I think that if you get a more retail, more entertainment population downtown, you're not going to worry about the street kids as much as when it's, when it's dead, there's no one there. All right. At all, except for the street kids. Thank you for the call today. Good to hear from you. And from Don to Robert. Hello, Robert. Hello, Robert. Hello. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. Yeah, hi, Jim. Hi, how you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, I'm a property owner downtown, and uh, I think that the the problem is is that the kids and the vagrants have more rights than the property owners. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a specific example. I had somebody hanging out in front of my store a number of years ago. Uh, he was uh, spitting on the street and swearing at people that were going by, and he was standing right in front of my store. I called the police. I asked him, you know, get this guy out of here, and they said, no, uh, right in front of this creep. They said, uh, no, he has every right to uh, to be there. And I said, well, I'm the one that pays the taxes uh, and uh, I'm the one that cleans the snow and sweeps the you know, the street and stuff. And he said, well, it's public property. I'm sorry, I can't do anything. And he backed up this creep instead of backing up me. Um, I'm basically, I'm sick of uh, these kids uh, and, and Jeff's uh, attitude that these all these creeps are, are victims of, of their environment. Um, you know, and that we, you know, the society, uh, the, that we create these people somehow. I think that they create, they and their own families create themselves. Um, and I think poverty in Canada is a matter of choice. I think Canada is full of opportunities. Um, we have free health care, free education as we're growing up. If you don't have any money, you get free money from welfare. 
Um, so, you know, with there, all the opportunity is in Canada uh, for people to, to better themselves, and if people choose not to, um, I think that that's a, that's a choice they make. But um, I think, uh, you know, trying to model coddle uh, the, these uh, creeps, uh, you know, with nose rings and dyed hair and, and ragged clothes, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, it, you know, we've gone too far with that. Um, you know, there's lots of jobs, lots of opportunity in Canada. You know, there's people, uh, our, our farmers are starving for, for people to harvest their crops, whether it's tobacco or fresh fruits. We have to import people from Jamaica because Canadians won't take the jobs. Um, so. I right, appreciate the call, Robert. All right. Thank you for your uh, thoughts today. Okay, Jim. We have to pause for a moment. We'll be back right after this. Left, right, and center with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz, and we're right back to the phones with Jeff. Hello, Jeff. How are you, Jeff? Fine, thanks. Good. Um, I think it, it's a reflection, all like with the panhandlers and, and the youth that are less desirable down there, I think it's just uh, a case where the downtown has just fallen apart so much. It just breeds um, this kind of situation. Um, there's, you know, there's, if, I think if it was... Um, the heart of the city like it used to be. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I was younger, um, like in the 80s, when all the businesses and storefronts were there and full, yeah. you know, nobody really seemed to complain about them. You know, you don't see a lot of these kids up along Richmond Row either, where the businesses are thriving. and Absolutely the, you know, not, exactly. Stuff's hopping. Exactly. Yeah. It's not to, you know, I don't want to get into a, a class dispute, you know, from uh, mm -hmm. one class of people to another. Mm -hmm. But that's just, that's just a fact. And I think uh, when everybody was down there doing business, making money, you know, they they weren't really concerned about whether there was somebody outside playing a guitar uh, yeah. with the case open. Yeah, yeah, good you know, point. But uh, I think <laughs> we better start um, doing something about this downtown because, uh, like I said, I remember the way it was. There was always something to do. Uh, the streets were jammed. Um, to me, I would, uh, to be honest with you, I would brick up on Dundas between Wellington and uh, the Bell Building. Mm -hmm. I would have no traffic down there, mm -hmm. like no no uh, cars. Well, they've talked about that, and they did it in Ottawa, too, at Spark Street Mall. It worked for a while, and then it turned into a disaster for them. So there are, there are both good and bad precedents for doing that sort of thing. Well, now, what, what happened with the Spark Street? Because I used to live near Ottawa, and I used to... Well, know. they did the same thing. They stopped, they, they bricked it all up, and it became a pedestrian walkway, and it was very successful for a few years, and then it went way down. I don't know where it is now. I haven't been there for a while, but... Yeah. It went way down for a long time. I mean, it just it turned into a into a downtown disaster for them. So I don't know whether that's the answer or not. I, I've, my experience has been wherever you cut off vehicular traffic in any way from storefronts and stuff, you're going to hurt that business. Yeah, in well, the long I term. think a lot of the store owners would yeah. agree. That's why they're yeah. trying to get more on-street parking downtown. So what, what, what about the free parking aspect, though? Well, the city doesn't want to do that. Oh, so let, let's. Let's drain what few people go down there. Well, test them off if you they're got, there two minutes later. You got to talk to the city people because they do not want to give up the revenue. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably throw my name into the election hat next time around because I don't think I could do any worse job than uh, what. Uh, well, I, I, I encourage anybody who takes the time to uh, educate themselves on the issues and make a serious commitment, anybody who's willing to do that, I encourage them to run for public office. Well, I was going to, Jim. I, I had actually mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago in another discussion, but uh, Mr. Hopcroft jumped in, mm -hmm. and I thought for sure, you know, he was going to win. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, there's no point. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think Grant could do a great job uh, running this city. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess he sat in the wrong chair. He should have sat in the easy chair as opposed to the... Uh, 
The rocking yeah. chair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel. And uh, I almost said Jeff Metz. <laughs> Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz, or Schlemmer. It sounds like a vaudeville team, as we've said many times before. <laughs> uh, Jeff, I want to ask you this, though. You've made the point that, that a lot of these people are on the streets because of what you see as failures of our society. Um, again, given the fact that even if you're 100% right and everybody in the country agreed with you, we still couldn't fix it overnight. We're talking a systemic problem. It'll take years to, to recover from. What do we do now? What about, what about the, the Robert and Carol and the people who have stores who are being negatively impacted by these folks? What rights do they have in your world? Oh, well, for one thing, when Robert talked about uh, the rights of, uh, of uh, street people uh, and how he couldn't get any action for somebody who was spitting and swearing at him, uh, that's illegal. <laughs> that's against the law. And if a cop told him he wouldn't do anything about it, that was wrong. Uh, and again, I focus on what they're doing as opposed to what they look like. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of asking for money is not illegal. And if it was, then the Salvation Army would be in big trouble. And uh, the person who talked about bell calling to try and persuade him to spend some more money mm -hmm. would be in trouble. But if you're doing something aggressive like that, if you spit on somebody and you're swearing at them, then the police should uh, should haul you down to the station. Uh, no question about that. The problem uh, is a police officer has to see you in the act of doing that. No, they don't. And I, no, it, they really? Don't. You mean they will just take someone's word for well, something? Of course, that's what act. witnesses are in court. But, God's sake. Well, once you're going to get into a court case, yes. So what would what would they appropriately do? If I just launch a complaint against anyone on the street, I can make a false complaint and the police would act on it? Is well, that what you're telling what me? The, what the police officer is supposed to, to do is to assess whether there are reasonable and probable grounds to believe an offense has occurred. And for most offenses, there's no police officer there to witness it. They talk to the people who are around and try and figure out, did this probably happen or didn't it? And, uh, yeah, if you call and accuse somebody of a crime and the police believe you, then they're perfectly within their rights to lay a charge. And, and all cases end up in court. You know, these are all lead to charges which go to court and so Robert was wrong there if uh, you know the police should have acted on that and I, I don't advocate that or defend spitting and swearing or anything like that it just hasn't been my experience uh, as far as what they can do about it right now I I don't know. Um, I guess well, one of the things they can do right off the bat is we had this debate a couple of years ago, and that is that there is such a thing as private property, and you can tell anybody you can't go onto their property. So that includes all the stoops downtown, the doorways, and all that kind of stuff. If somebody's standing in your doorway or in your stoop or whatever, the police can arrest them for trespassing. Uh, and what they'll normally do is tell them to move. If they don't, then they can arrest them. And there's, and there's no question about that. I have no issue with that. But if somebody says you're not allowed to just stand on the street and look unusual, I say that is not against the law. Okay, let's go back to the phones where uh, Carrie's waiting. Hi, Carrie. Yes. Hi. Yes. How you doing? Fine. Go ahead. I uh, just uh, didn't want to comment too much about uh, the folks uh, uh, hanging out on the street, but about the issue about attracting uh, other people downtown. Yeah. Just wanted to say that um, I've been in a few other cities. I had the opportunity to work in Kingston last summer, mm -hmm. and I see what they did at their waterfront. It mm -hmm. did an amazing op uh, job of bringing in cafes and some more exciting retail. And uh, I saw virtually every night that that whole area was packed with tourists and locals uh, who just found it interesting to be downtown. And as well, I've uh, also found um, and uh, going to places in the U.S., uh, like in Minneapolis and also in Europe, the same type of concept. They where they brought in either exciting uh, types of retailing and or uh, the cafe type uh, 
models and uh, I, from what I could see, they work extremely well and and uh, brought people down to the core. So I'm not well, sure why. I would assume London has seen that and looked at it. I don't know why they don't approach, take that approach. Well, it's, it's, because, a, uh, it's a good we, question. It's a good question. It's one that needs an answer. And they tell us answers are on the way, Carrie. That's the good news. The bad news is we know this council. I have to leave it there, but I thank you for your call, sir. And Grant's up next. Hi, Grant. Hi there. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Good. Um, I've enjoyed your show so far. I thank just you. wanted to make a comment. Um, basically, uh, I'm... I'm I'd like to address the fact that uh, I find more and more that the uh, the downtown core is changing for the most part. I mean, a couple of years back, it wasn't quite so bad, but mm -hmm. the more and more uh, you're finding younger people uh, directly from the high schools, I would find being the, the main two that sort of empty out down to the core. Yeah. But uh, I, I find a, I'm kind of out of high school myself. I'm only 22, so I haven't, you know, been too far out of it. Right. But I generally find there's there's a, there's a changing stance on... on uh, uh, with with younger students, they don't seem to mind. I mean, there, there's no uh, there's no problem with with asking. I mean, there's they've seemed to lost their own dignity mm -hmm. for the most part. And I, I I don't know what exactly could change this problem, but I mean, I, I, there's not a whole lot of things downtown for younger people to do. You know, it's interesting that you raise that issue of dignity because I remember being a teenager and and being downtown because in those days lots of us were. And I can remember being downtown literally without enough bus fare to get home. Mm -hmm. It never would have crossed my mind to ask somebody for a dime or a nickel or no, a quarter. The status symbol oh, at that time not. was that you had a job yeah. or some kind of part-time job it's or just, something to sustain well, yourself. Now, Jeff's, yeah. why are you, Jeff's laughing. Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, it wouldn't have crossed my mind either, but it wasn't the status symbol of a job. It's just not something you do. And I would suggest that for most high school students, the same ethic still applies. It would never occur to my kids to ask for money to get home either. They would, you know, they would stand out in the, in the snow and freeze before it would occur to them. Well, you can always uh, say that most say that are that, like that. that. And, I, and I think that that's the situation for most people. But there are, there are a lot more people now who do find it acceptable to beg than they used to. And we can debate the reasons, but I would suggest that a big part of it is because in the past they had more money. They had more social assistance. They had more places to go, like youth centers and stuff like that. We've, we've, we have turned up the pressure on them, and that's why they're driven to this. All right, Grant, I have to leave it there. Thank you okay. for your call, sir. Thank you. And we'll be back uh, right after this. Let's keep waiting and get to them as quickly as we can because we're almost out of time, but Ian's with us. Hi, Ian. How you doing, Jim? Fine, thanks. I, had, I was approached by uh, someone about younger, about 14, wearing <laughs> Adidas running shoes and Adidas track pants and a jacket, and she wanted some change. I wish I could afford to dress like that. Yeah. She wanted some change, and I said, what's it for? And she said, well, I, you know, I need to get some food. I said, come on now. I said, up in Kent Street, any teenager, teenager can get a meal and a shower, and her face got red as a beat, and she, she walked away. So it's uh, like the people that are down there are, are not down there because they're starving. Appreciate the call today, Ian. You're Thank welcome. you, sir. And Joe, the last word to you. Hello, Joe. Hey. Yes, sir, go ahead. Um, well, uh, like the last fellow says, you know, there are people who don't necessarily have a genuine need but perhaps we have to, uh, that's the price we have to pay, putting up with them to help those who do. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody keeps calling in saying that they're annoyed by these people, they don't want to give up their money, and that these people can go out and get jobs. But that's a central illusion of the whole idea of capitalism. Not everybody can have money. Not everybody can have a job. If, if some people want to be rich, some people are going to be poor. Why is that? There's not enough money to go around. Not everybody can be rich. The, the whole concept of being rich and poor is a relative thing. If there are rich people, there are poor people. You're going to have a lot of money. It has to come at the expense of others. Why? Because there isn't enough to go around. Everybody can't be rich. Why not? <laughs> Are you serious? In the experience no. so far, anyway. No, I'm, absolute, I'm absolutely <laughs> I, I, serious. I, I agree with, with, with Jim here. I, I'm asking why not. Uh, I always thought that in any, you know, uh, voluntary 
transaction, both people benefit. There's no finite amount of money or finite amount of wealth. Well, I mean, oh no, wealth increases every year. Yeah, Absolutely. So. I always think I'm the naive one. Of course, you have to have poor people. Well, I'm not saying, there's no example we I'm can not ever saying show. There won't be poor people, but it's certainly not because there's some rich people that are hogging all the money. There's no. more, there's more wealth today oh, in the no, world no. than there that's, was a year ago. What I suggest, what I'm saying is, not everybody, not everybody can be successful. Not everybody's going to have a job. Uh, people are calling in saying there's all kinds of jobs going around. This isn't true. Mm. We have unemployment. Is um, well, you say, you know. I mean, if you're just not going to accept the facts, and it's not much of a discussion. Well, even if there's that's the reality of the matter is that. Not everybody can have money. Not everybody. No, but not every. But not everybody who doesn't have a job, or not everybody who's not successful, is begging on the street. Well, no, that's absolutely true. You know, um, it's it's not it's not much of an option, and it's certainly a last recourse. And you know, maybe some people think it's cool these days and all. But uh, well, like the last fellow said, he had this girl approach him who obviously wasn't in a whole lot of need. Yeah. And you just have to you have to make that judgment for yourself on a case to case basis. You can't generalize all these people and call them they these people. Good, you know. point. Good point, Joe. And on that, we're going to end the show. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. And thank you for being part of the program today. Thanks to Bob and Jeff. Always a pleasure. Jim, thanks. Uh, they will be back a week from today for the next edition of Left, Right, and Center. Tomorrow on the show, uh, we're talking about the Human Rights Commission. We're talking about... Oh, I don't know what we're talking about. A whole bunch of stuff. Right, Ryan? A bunch of stuff. Join us tomorrow. We'll find out together what it's all about. Don't forget, Friday, the live show. Kate and George from TV London are going to join us. Kate McGregor and uh, Kate McGregor. Oh, God. Kate Young and George Clark will be joining us. Uh, Don Van Massenhoven, an NHL referee, will be with us and a whole lot of other surprises, too. That's our live show. Plan to join us for breakfast at Krabby Joe's on Friday. Don't forget now. And uh, for, for Bob and Jeff and Ryan and Tara, it's Jim saying take care of each other. Mind how you go, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.